Hello patrons and welcome to another episode of A Universe of Stories. Today we are proud to be talking to the director of one of my favorite Nashville icons, The Parthenon. Please welcome Wesley Payne. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy to talk with you today. Now, I have lived in Tennessee a very long time, and it seems like the Parthenon has always been in Nashville, but I'm sure that has not always been the case. Um, when was the Parthenon built? It was built first as the art building for the Tennessee Centennial Exposition, which took place in 1897, actually a year later than the actual anniversary of statehood, because there was a, it was a really tense political year and there was a little mini depression in the 1890s, and so for various reasons it seemed uh, wiser and more doable to wait a year. Oh, okay. So um, the Parthenon was Nashville's contribution to the exposition. It was the art building for the exposition, and it was built as a copy of the Parthenon, I mean Nashville's building was, in order to remind people of our nickname, Athens of the South. Oh, very cool. But the exterior was the only part that was a re recreation. The interior was a series of galleries for exhibiting the art that they gathered, borrowed from all over um, for the purposes of the exposition. So if you think about the inside of the Parthenon, it was rooms that were hung like a jigsaw puzzle, just packed together, almost floor to ceiling, although uh, not 42 feet high, which is the ceiling height inside, but <laughs> 24 maybe or 30 feet. I mean, you look at yeah. pictures and it's just amazing that anybody could absorb anything about art based on that. So that's how the Parthenon got to Nashville. <laughs> so when it was built for this exhibit, do you think that they thought it would last over 120 years? No, there's some debate about that, but um, a all the buildings that were built for the exposition were built to be temporary. And that land was, as I understand it, supposed to be um, cleared and sold and subdivided for residential development after the exposition. But by the time that six-month fair was over, people in Nashville had fallen in love with the Parthenon. It was like, wait, 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 wait. You can't, no, you can't tear down the symbol of the city. So there was a little, oh, now what do we do? And they left it standing. And within five years, Nashville had formed a board of park commissioners, and they were looking at property to buy for city parks. And the grounds of the Centennial were the third parcel of land that the park board bought. And then they were stuck with this building that hadn't been built to be permanent. So it it began to deteriorate, really just the outside. All the cladding, all the decorative work, the sculpture, et cetera, for 1897 was um, plaster. Mm. So it wasn't built to last. And yet it has. And yet, well, they had, they had to do some work on it. And right. that came in the 1920s. <laughs> okay, but it's still pretty impressive considering why it was built originally. Right, and they, and they really paid attention to the details. They were trying to get to get it accurate, but they were pressed for time, and the cornerstone was laid in 1895. And so that was, you know, a year and a half maximum before they were ready to open, so it had to be done fast. Um, it was the only building on the exposition grounds that was a copy of a specific ancient building, mm -hmm. although all of them were in a sort of vaguely Greco-Roman style. Um, 
So when the making of it permanent, boy, that was a funny way to phrase that. <laughs> when, when they began to, when they decided to make it permanent in the 1920s, there were some adjustments that had to be made. Not only did they know that plaster cladding was not gonna last, so they had to think of something else, but they also knew that they had to adjust some measurements just slightly. They knew that um, for 1897, they hadn't had enough research time to create the east and west pediments accurately because there's a lot missing from the east pediment. So they just did the west pediment on both ends of the building for mm. 1897. So one of the things that took place in the 20s was the as, as scholarly research into and um, accurate recreations of both ends of the building, the sculpture. And of course, they decided to make the interior a recreation of the ancient building too, which was required more research and more money. But they didn't want to give up this idea of exhibiting art, which is what the Nashville Parthenon was built for. So they um, decided to finish off, as funds were available, gallery space in below ground. Nowadays, you enter that through that level mm -hmm. and see the art galleries and go upstairs into the Parthenon. But um, until, well, in the 20s, they built some gallery space, but you entered from the west end of the building upstairs, and you had to kind of know that there was something to see downstairs to find your way down there. So the 1987-88 renovation is what created the entrance that we know now. That's very cool. So is the Parthenon standing on the original site that it was built for? Actually, yes. In fact, the foundations of the building and the core of the walls are those from 1897. Mm but they are wrapped in an envelope that is from the 1920s or later. Okay. So the fame of the Parthenon has actually grown. I think we can agree on that. Yes. Since it's first to go around the 1800s. In fact, haven't I seen it in a movie recently? Well, you might have, yes. Actually, two mm. major motion pictures have a scene that was filmed at the Nashville Parthenon. The 1975 Robert Altman's movie Nashville, oh. which is a... I think you could call it a satire on the country music industry. The climactic scene is filmed along the long side that parallels West End Avenue. And then more recently, and probably the one you're thinking about, is the 2010 Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Yes. <laughs> and that was, um, that was actually a really fine experience for us. I mean, I wasn't around for the 1975 one, but um, the scouts from the director of the, uh, it was 21st Century Fox, I believe, that um, created that movie. And they came to look, and they decided almost immediately that it wasn't safe for the museum or for the actors to film the inside scene actually in the museum. So they filmed outside and recreated the interior on the soundstage, and we were we were absolutely amazed when we saw the movie because it looked as though they'd snuck in when we weren't watching because they did such a great job oh, of wow. recreating the interior. They made changes, like um, the Athena looks different, and um, they have a custodian closet in the upstairs, and we really wish we did, but we don't. <laughs> is everyone listening to that? Custodian closet, please. And a bathroom, please, upstairs. And a bathroom upstairs. <laughs> So you, I know you just you just mentioned it. Um, the Parthenon, yes, it was based on the one in Athens, but 
ours was originally missing a very, very large detail. Can you talk about the decision to put Athena inside? Yes. Um, actually, it was intended from the beginning. The, um, the park board, the architects, and the sculptors who worked on the building in the 1920s had every intention of completing the sculptural program on the building. But there were money problems. Um, there was actually a tornado that came through. Uh, those of us who were around for the, the big one more recently thought it was the first one, but there was actually one in the 20s. And there was some damage done. Money was hard to come by. So they finished it just by the hardest and were able to open the museum in May of 1931, but without the Athena and without one of the two friezes that's on the original building. So in... In the 80s, when um, there had been a donation box in front of a little maquette, a little small statue of Athena, from the mid-1960s, I think, and people put their nickels and their dimes and their pennies, school children, people from all over the world, um, because the little sign said, if you want to see the full-size Athena, put your money here. <laughs> and people had done that. But when we began um, a more uh, uh, an admission kind of donation request, it was deemed uh, appropriate to take that donation box away. So there sat this little fund of almost $30,000. And um, one of the park board members, Ann Roos, said, you know, we are, that money must be used for nothing but that purpose because people gave it for the Athena. So right. let's figure out how much money we need. Let's um, issue a call for proposals from sculptors and see where we can go. We got, I believe, seven proposals, and Alan LaQuire, who was a local young sculptor, uh, his, his proposal was selected, and um, there was a commission issued in the fall of 1982. He did research, he went to Greece, he spoke with all the scholars who are experts on um, the sculpture of Phidias, who created the ancient Athena and the styles of the time, 5th century BC, and um, then began to work. And it quickly became apparent that the commission wasn't big enough. And so Anne Roos once again stepped up and formed the Athena Fund Foundation to raise money to complete the project. Once again, it took longer than anybody thought it would. And in May of 1990, the completed statue was unveiled with gold only on the base freeze and trim. We waited another 12 years and raised more money to put the gold and paint on her that's what you see today. So how much money did it cost in total for the commission? <laughs> well, the, um, to create the statue was about $250,000 and then to raise the additional funds for the gilding and paint was another 170, 190,000, something like that. Oh, wow. And it's all private donations corporate or individual, it's not, it was not a city tax funded project. Right, and it's important to know. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I think it's wonderful though that so many people were involved in making this happen so that future generations can enjoy this. Yes. That's so important, especially when you consider how it kind of started with this little donation box. It's wonderful. And I just talked to somebody, I'm trying to think now who it was, just this week who said, oh, I know, it was Ann Patchett, the author, Ann Patchett, who said, uh, she said, I was one of those children. Every time I came, and I came often, I put money in that little box, which just 
made me feel really good. It should. It's amazing to see how it has, you know, it's gone from generation to generation to generation. And that's why I think it's incredible that it was brought to fruition so nicely. And it's just, it's a really good story. Yes, it is. And and it's important um, for scholars to see, I mean, we know a lot about it from written descriptions and from the ruins, of course. There's no substitute, really, for going to Athens and seeing the marble of the original and seeing the fragments that are in the British Museum and other museums around the world. But this is the only place in the world where you can see the right size and shape building with that enormous statue inside covered in gold that was the focal point and the reason for the building's existence in antiquity. So from a scholarly standpoint, it's really important, I think. I think so, too. So in, in addition to seeing Athena and the beautiful art gallery, the Parthenon Park itself hosts many events. What fun events do you host each year, and what's your favorite? If you, if you can choose. I know it's kind of like <laughs> picking your favorite child. That's really hard. <laughs> well, you're right. There's always, always something going on in Centennial Park. My only, um, I only manage the Parthenon itself, but um, there are some annual events. Uh, uh, this particular weekend, the first weekend of May, is always Tennessee Crafts. So there's a big crafts fair this weekend. There's another one in the fall. Um, there's another one in the summer, actually. And in uh, May and June, and again in September and October, there is Musician's Corner, which is um, a a free program for music uh, for all Nashvillians and whoever's visiting uh, every weekend on those four months of the year. Um, And then um, every Saturday night in the summer, June, July, and August, there are big band dances in the event shelter um, near us. And in between and the rest of the year, there are things like um, dog parades and um, car parades and fairs. It's just, it's a very, very busy park. There's always something going on. Which is fantastic, though. Oh, yes. You can, you can never say there's nothing to do. Exactly. There's no excuse, because honestly, there's always something going on. Yes. <laughs> something to get involved in, which is important and very good. So when I visit, I love to see the duck and walk around all the beautiful grounds. Well, let me say that again. When I visit, I love to see the ducks and walk around all the beautiful grounds. How big is Centennial Park? It's 132 acres, but that includes um, the sportsplex and tennis courts land across 25th from the main body of the park. It also includes the hill that is dog park and the um, offices, the administrative and maintenance offices that are beyond that. So when you look at a map of the exposition grounds, and a map of Centennial Park, the footprint is very, very close to the same. There's some some differences, but pretty much, pretty much the same. Right, and that's extensive as well. Yeah, and and I love going there. Honestly, I think it's Good. beautiful. So, what is the best part for getting to work for the Parthenon? What is your favorite part about your job? Ooh. That's <laughs> a very loaded question, I it know. It is, and it's... But and we have time. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Well, I think one of the things that I love is the variety. There, There's, well, there's no such thing as it's not in my job description. Um, I love watching people get engaged with the art or with the history of the building. I love walking through upstairs or the galleries 
or the area that where we interpret the exposition itself and watching parents and children or husbands and wives or um, talk about what they're looking at, ask each other questions, let it spark something that's unrelated but in, in their experience is related and it's just, um, it makes me very happy. I can tell just from hearing you talk, I, I, I'm sitting beside her. <laughs> I can feel the passion radiating off of her. And it, that's so important, especially in your line of work where you are, it's like we were talking about the generations. You are one of the people that is instilling this love and this, this engagement with generations that come and visit. I hope so, yes. Absolutely you are. You well, are. <laughs> and um, another piece of, of kind of who we are and what we do, because... Um, we meet state standards for um, Tennessee history and world history. We get a lot of school student, school children, students of all ages, but there are a couple of grades where that's really important. Right. And um, one of our, of our former director of education used to say, there's not a subject that you need to teach that you can't use the Parthenon as a teaching tool, which at first hearing sounds like a huge exaggeration, but... It's not really. We're still studying the literature and architecture and art and philosophy and form of government and f math of the people who lived in that short little 100, 150-year period that we call the classical age of Greece. Right. So it's, it's important for both more recent history and for ancient history and for all those other things, too. It's like a lifelong endeavor to learn almost yeah because you discover new things all the time all the time so that is why the parthenon is important in nashville <laughs> yes, we is. have to visit <laughs> so we're at our last question and i have to we have to ask this question because we are a library i'm a librarian and i have to ask you do you have a favorite book <laughs> unfair i know <laughs> i read all the time. It's my <laughs> relaxation. So to ask me for a favorite is pretty hard. I did think about this. Um, I just, I, I love um, any of Louise Penny's um, Inspector Gamache books. Um, I love novels written about World War One or World War II. Um, I, I usually prefer fiction, but just recently I finished reading Tara Westover's book Educated, which mm. knocked my socks off. Um, and another favorite nonfiction book is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which I've read two or three times. Um, I love the Harry Potter and the Percy Jackson Yay! books. But, oh man, if I have to pick an absolute favorite, one that I just probably couldn't live without rereading every so many years, it might be Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yes, yes. I love, well, I love, um, for different reasons, um, uh, Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, mm. which is grim. Um, grim and yes. <laughs> but, mm, uh, and Anne Patchett's Bel Canto. Oh, Love that goodness. one, too. Yes, we have someone that works here who is Miss Kathy. That is her absolute favorite book. And, oh, my goodness, I wish she was here to talk to you about it. <laughs> you would well, be her immediately, immediately her best friend in the entire world. <laughs> That's how passionate she is about that book. <laughs> well, it's just it was very hard to think about what I might have as a favorite because as soon as I would think about one, I'd think about another and then another and then another. And uh, and then I read some that are just meh. But we all do. Yeah. 
just something like, okay, pick it up. Yeah. Okay. Try it. We'll try it out. We'll give it a try. And if not, that's totally fine. Just move on to another one. Exactly. That's the beauty of reading. That's right. Universe of stories at your, right. at your fingertips. And I'm a big library patron. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and talk with me about our favorite Nashville icon, the Parthenon, which is open Tuesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., Sundays at 12.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., and admission is $6 with discounts for students and seniors, and I hope everyone gets a chance to visit or attend at least one of the grand events of the Parthenon soon. Thank you. 